Blog Talk Radio. All the spot analysis, am I crazy? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Are we on a podcast? Yeah. I, I think I'm going to come get some. If you want some, come. Gotta get that. Gotta get that. Gotta get it. Oh. My Appreciate favorite, it. though. Am I? You're my favorite. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. I think not. You put me on the e-meter and ask me a question, and the needle would float. All right, it's another Come Get Some Extra Scientology edition. This one, two days early for various reasons. Uh, one, I'm as fired up as everybody else. You know, uh, Reza Aslan did his Believer episode last Sunday night uh, about Scientology, specifically specifically independent Scientology. And I was like, I got to get this out now. Plus, Friday, I'm going to be very busy. As I've told you all on the show before, I have a busy weekend plan. I'm a huge wrestling fan. Uh, on Friday... I'm going to see Kathy Schenkelberg squeeze my cans in Tampa, and I know a lot of people in Florida excited to go to Stageworks Theater and see that uh, up there in Tampa. And uh, and I'm no exception. I'll be there Friday night. If you are there in the area and you go and you want to say hi to me, I'm easy to find. I'm the 40-something-year-old guy that looks much younger, much shorter, and much fatter than you'd expect. So that's how you're going to find me. That's how you identify me pretty easily. Um yeah, the thing with with uh, Reza Aslan's show is uh, it was a huge, huge, bitter disappointment for a lot of people. And, and a lot of it was because it just seemed to be lacking, I don't know, substance, everything. Uh, it was really an exercise, in my opinion, of willful ignorance. Uh, willful ignorance will be a theme on today's show. Um, I... Uh, would say watching that show, I'm seeing this man talk about all these firsts. This is the first time this has ever happened. He's so excited. The first time this has been on TV. No one's ever done this before, done that before. I hate to break it to you, Reza, but everything that was a first on your show was not a first. It probably wasn't even the first time that independent Scientology was addressed publicly. In fact, even if it was, I did it before you last Friday. Now, that's not something that was intentional. I knew that this guy on CNN was doing this Believer show about religion, and people were in an uproar about his coverage of Scientology. I didn't know how much it was going to focus on independent Scientology, and I didn't know it was going to be such a puff piece. I really didn't. And uh, if I was to review his program that I watched in one word in Scientology terms, it would be a Kurt gruff, solid fail. It was terrible. It was terrible. And I don't mean that just to be insulting. It just was lacking. I feel like I did it better here, not to pat myself on the back. But Reza has this really interesting uh, tweet that's quoted on CNN.com that says, Dear Scientology critics, between Xenu dropping aliens on Earth and God creating man out of dirt, is that one story is older than the other. One story is older than the other. Okay? 
if you de- if you dig deep into that and you think about it, it sounds pretty it sounds pretty deep, but it's really lacking all sorts of substance. Um, that is not the only difference between those two things. Uh, I believe personally that even if you believe it's all fraudulent, all fake, all BS, that your religion's only as good as its source. Now remember that. That's going to come up later in the post-interview comments. I have a lot to say after the interview, so please stay tuned as I recap the discussion that I had with Dave LaCroix. Um, the thing uh, with that is also, as I've joked about it before, we don't know if Jesus was the first sleight-of-hand magician or, or, or not, but we do know who Elvron Hubbard is and that that was failed to be explored on that show. Uh, it was a great disappointment to me. Uh, but please stay tuned. I'm going to go ahead and play part two of my interview with Dave LaCroix here. Stay tuned for the end for my closing comments, plus a very special preview of what's coming up next, what's on deck for Come Get Some Extra Scientology. Uh, enjoy the show. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, not to jump around, but have you gone exterior, Dave? Oh, yeah. You have? What's that like? How does that work? <laughs> well, uh, a lot of people have, a lot of people at night in their dreams or people when they're kids, it's more common phenomena than people think, and they expect, uh, like I say, all of a sudden you're going to be able to cheat at cards or something, and it's not like that. Um, as one goes up through the progressive levels in auditing, uh, certain layers, we, we sometimes refer to as like layers of the onion get peeled away, and your inhibitions or your, uh, you know, your fear, people have and they're going to pull themselves back in real quickly. But that falls away throughout auditing, and you tend to get uh, more and more perception of uh, things at a distance through walls. The, uh, the body gets thinner and less, uh, less solid in your, in your own perception of it. So um, the, I guess the experience uh, can vary... From, it's like an acid trip, uh, <laughs> something like that. Well, acid trips uh, sometimes can induce it. Uh, I don't recommend that as a way right. because <laughs> you're, uh, for a lot of reasons, not only because it's illegal, but right. uh, you're gonna, you're like, you're just gonna get sucked into some very nasty stuff on the whole track um, that you know you have no control and uh, um, no way of dealing with. So. Um, I mean, there's ways of giving people the experience of exterior, but it's a little bit like vertigo, you know, or they'll get a little woozy sometimes. But other people, they do it, like I say, kids will very often talk about, you know, uh, looking at things from a different place or whatnot. Right. Um, Which is another interesting topic. I don't know if you go to the site and you read about indigo children. I've I've heard about that. that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've seen I've seen some crazy stuff that. myself. So I, I yeah I'm with you, man. Go ahead. We understand that phenomena, uh, which for your listeners may not know what we're talking about. But uh, you know, people have noticed that a lot of children are uh, or children of the light they're called sometimes. Um, so we've got children that you know are very spiritual. Sometimes they're very talented or have speak languages they you wouldn't you know they they shouldn't be able to speak or know things or talk about past lives and that sort of thing so I've heard of that we're yep. getting uh we're getting a a lot more and more of that um 
partially because the Internet makes it a lot more accessible to hear about, but also uh, there's things going on, you could say, in the spirit world that are changing that and bringing that about. So okay. uh, it's a very interesting topic, though. Something you said there, you said twice now about cheating at cards. I, I, I Again, I'm not trying to make fun of it uh, at all, Dave, but it seems to me that if you can transcend to the, the Van Allen belt, you can go across the table behind Bob's shoulder. It doesn't seem... Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You should be able to levitate things, you know, if, if there was such a thing as OT, why can't he, uh, you know, levitate uh, chairs or something, you know? Yeah. Um, we're we're talking about potentials, and uh, those things are potential, but we're not there That I don't know anybody that's come up through the ranks of Scientology that has that level of uh, ability. Only ORH. No, I don't think he did either. I don't think he uh, got to that point either. So he didn't go to the Van Allen belt, in your mind? No, being exterior is one thing, but being able to perceive, you know, uh, what card somebody's holding on the other side of the room is a whole different level. Or being able to, uh, you know, levitate a car or something. You know, we're talking about fantasy stuff there. But potentially, I mean, if you uh, if you buy into the idea that you're an immortal being that's been around forever, right. uh, God knows how long, Sure. Then uh, and you've fallen down to the level of walking around in a human body on planet Earth, uh, you could theorize or postulate possibly that it would be theoretically possible to rehabilitate that person, that spirit, to a level of, uh, you know, being able to le- levitate cars or whatnot, but we're not there yet. It's a long, it's, it's not a, you know, people in this day and age, we're looking for an app to download so I can go OT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Show me how. That, <laughs> that for that. Yeah. Right. Well, well no, I, I, maybe I'm too stuck on this, but so, so, so in your mind, in your mind, your opinion, Van Allen Belt, L. Ron Hubbard, what happened? Uh, I think that's fairly uh, fairly common, very easy to uh, be exterior to the point of, uh, you know, getting outside of this uh, solar system out to the Van Allen belt and perceiving that. You but know, not behind uh, Bob's shoulder. That's, that's rather routine. Okay. All right. I have to accept this because it's. Uh, I don't know how how we can move forward for that. So I'll move on with you here, Dave. Um uh, tell me, because I can't ask any other person studying Scientology than an independent Scientologist, uh, tell me uh, your feeling on the Xenu story. Uh, <laughs> I knew that one was going to come. It's, it's, just, it's well, just automatic, right? <laughs> to happen. No, not really. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it, but, um, you know, People ask that, and they read about that, and I understand, you know, it's a secret, and it's all fascinating, but uh, they haven't even gotten past the level of the first, you know, principles of Scientology, which is, you know, we're composed, we're basically a composite uh, mind, body, spirit, and people don't really get that, and yet they want to know about, you know, uh, an implant of 75 million years ago. So it's kind of like coming into, you know, the middle of the book War and Peace in the last uh, quarter of the book and then trying to read a, uh, a few pages and seem to get the gist of it, you know. Um, 
people don't have to believe in it. It's not critical. You don't have to actually believe in any of the, uh, uh, you know, theoretical or maybe they are real uh, things that uh, may have happened on the whole track or even that you had a past life. You don't have to believe that in order to get benefit out of the auditing. Um, but if you get to that point and if you, all the way along up to that point, you follow the instructions and you audit, you find that there's a charge there or things that you'll get experience a release and uh, feel better having done so. So uh, if somebody follows the, uh, if there's, they've done everything up to that point thoroughly, and we get a lot of people that say, oh, it's a bunch of hoo-ha, I did it, you know, nothing to it. Well, I'm afraid that they probably missed a few steps, you know, earlier on. Hmm. So um, that's, that's likely because I know just as many or more people that have successfully run those levels and they, um, you know, they get the expected result and, re- and relief from having done so. Now, you know, it sounds wild, it's very sci-fi-ish and so forth, but... Um, he was a science fiction writer. Yeah, and that's another good point, <laughs> if I may, because this one's a, a bugaboo. Uh, every time somebody goes to do a, a, a hatchet job on Scientology, they start off with Scientology, founded by science fiction rubber, writer L. Ron Hubbard. Well, you know, he was uh, he wrote a lot of fiction, not just science fiction, and I was reading a thing recently where it wasn't even his favorite genre. He didn't even really like science fiction that much, and he kind of just did it for the pay back in the day, you know. But the reason they picked that, because they could pick a lot of things about L. Ron Hubbard to uh, introduce, you know, their story on Scientology rather than science fiction writer. But the reason they do it is because, you know, science fiction, Scientology, science fiction, Scientology. Get it? You know, it's all just science fiction. You know, well, so it's a way of putting, covertly putting it down and putting a message out there that, uh, you know, this is all just sci-fi. Somebody, this crackpot made up a bunch of stuff and, you know, uh, well, it's just goofy. <laughs> well, but, the Zeta story is pretty wild. Now, a lot of people will say, even Leah Remini and the people who love Scientology that don't acknowledge Scientology at all anymore will say that the Xena story is way blown out of proportion, that it's not a main factor. Is, is it taken too literally, you think? Uh, yeah, the importance, it's just got, you know, it's got a wow factor to it that, oh, wow, this is, you know, this is crazy, this is wild, this is, uh, you know, just bizarre. But, you know, you get, uh, you get into the bizarre way before that. I mean, back in 1951, when L. Ron Hubbard was first talking about past lives, I mean, there was a lot of pressure brought to bear on them to not bring that up and not talk about it because they wanted to establish a legitimate foundation, you know, and uh, get uh, recognized, get recognition. But he, you know, he went where the trail led him. So, Mm -hmm. okay. uh, All right. Well, I've looked it up. I've looked up how to start your own religion. Um, mm -hmm. And it's interesting because anybody can start their own religion if they have their paperwork in order. And one of the requirements is to have a background story, literally, as if, and to say that it can't be something that already exists. So it's almost like to create your own religion, you have to create 
a religion, and that almost sounds like what he did with the OT levels, is he made a his own scripture that would help uh, complement his the, the, the auditing process. No, he uh, had started the religion be- way before he got to the OT3 uh, materials, because uh, it was incorporated or started as a religion in, uh, well, I think they were incorporated, the first churches were like 54, 55, and then... Um, you know, it wasn't until 67 when he uh, made the breakthrough on OT3. So, How did he make uh, that breakthrough? How, how does he learn about Zenu? How did he find this out? Well, he's a researcher. His entire, the whole subject of Scientology is, this, is a study of his research track. He starts from the beginning on up through. So he was, uh, he was researching, researching up until the end, you know, and what you have is in auditing and in the procedures is what you could call the best practices that came out of that. So the stuff they did in the 50s is not the same as uh, we do now, although some of the processes are integrated in the steps that we do now. But um, So he was constantly researching, and that's what he ran into in his uh, research into, uh, you know, the barriers that, a being gets into and to uh, achieve higher states of awareness. Yeah, but, but, but we have, like, astrophysicists that can't tell you things about a meteor that crashed to Earth 3,000 years ago, but, but, but L. Ron Hubbard figured this out. <clears throat> well, there's a lot of knowledge, esoteric knowledge, that can be found, right, that, that you're walking around with. It just has to be pulled out of you. Interesting. Um, and that's part of the experience and the exploration of Scientology. Okay. You don't have to buy it. I mean, it doesn't matter if you don't believe it or don't want to believe it, but if you, you know, follow the, these steps, then people do discover that, you know, he was more right than wrong. And uh, so, mm. okay. uh, I don't know what to tell you. You don't, no one's cramming it down anybody's throat. But Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I want to ask you because this bothers me a little bit. Um, okay. I think you. I think you might know what I'm going to ask you about here. Um, I probably do. I'm, I'm you. Thinking. You referred to it earlier uh, with with uh, some excerpts of things out of context. You feel that have been brought up that uh, that are brought up to draw L. Ron Hubbard in a bad light. Mm-hmm. And I've seen you defend this on social media, and I don't see it as defensible myself personally. Um, uh, you know, uh, out of context, I don't think there's any other context to put it in. I'm going to go ahead and read this to you and to the listeners here. This is from the original first print in 1950 Dianetics book. Um, this is the oh, book. This is the Ortega's uh, bit on uh, kissing the little girl. Yes, and I'm going to go ahead and read it. And, and I'm probably going to read it wrong because I don't know all Hub- Hubbard's language. Uh, but the uh, the first axiom is of interest to the auditor in his work because with it he can clearly establish whether or not he is confronting a rational reaction. The seven-year-old girl who shudders because a man kisses her is not computing. She is reacting to an engram, since at seven she should see nothing wrong with a kiss, not even a passionate one. There must have been an earlier experience, possibly prenatal, which made men or kissing very bad. And there's more to that. 
but that's the that's the caption right there that's mostly highlighted, and you can read the whole paragraph, and it doesn't really change doesn't really change the context of what's said there. To, explain this to me. Well, I'm familiar with that, and it's um, well bad the analogy or bad example probably now. Poor example, uh, yes. Back sixty years, uh, you know, it was not quite so. Um, I guess. Uh, Wait, <laughs> 60 years ago, it, it wasn't bad to kiss seven-year-old girls 60 years well, ago? <laughs> yeah, no, it was, but I'm just saying that it was um, a much more innocent time. And plus, he's talking about from the girl's perspective. Sure. If, her react, if she had no reaction uh, be, because of engrams, if you understand the theory of Dianetics and so forth, mm-hmm. he's giving an example of how someone in some situa- situations might react which comes from the reactive mind, and other situations they might not. So it's a poor example, and uh, it's used. I know Ortega likes to use that as a way of sliming uh, LRH, but, uh-huh. um, you know, it, it, guys like, uh, at the time, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm trying to think of the guys who endorsed the book at the time. Um, there's a doctor, medical doctor, uh, and something like 100 million people have read that book, and the only person I've seen bring that up as a proof that L. Ron Hubbard was a pervert uh, is Tony Ortega. Uh, I don't think I've seen him say that's proof that he's a pervert. I think it it, it no, shows an example. That's what, he's, that's what he's trying to uh, get across. You know, that's okay. a very covert way of uh, showing what a, well, you know, what a slime ball Hubbard was. Dave, this is a this is the Bible of the isn't that next sort of like the Bible of Scientology? Yeah, but there's no proof there, and there's no insinuation or implication that he was advocating pedophilia in any way, shape, or form. Okay. So you got I can show you on the website uh, we've got Lois uh, Reisner's story, uh, which she was in the uh, Remedy show. Yep. And she uh, did some, uh, uh, you know, she worked every day with L. Ron Hubbard. And he, she says in one of her myths about L.R.H., that I never saw or experienced any sexual anything with him. In fact, he was just the opposite. Well, uh, I, I have no reason to lie about this. So I mean, nobody anywhere ever gives any suggestion that he advocated, condoned, uh, well, he does in that in that passage. He, he does in that passage, uh-huh. and, and I'll explain why. I'll explain why this bothers me because the way you're saying it, I understand where you're coming from. But here's what I'm seeing a lot of, and I don't think Tony Ortega is blatantly flat out saying that Elvin Hubbard molested children. Um, I, I don't think that's the I don't think that's the implication. The implication is uh, the thought process. It, that in the in the, the program and it goes behind this statement. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. I, we've seen uh, cases in Scientology again, in Miscavige of Scientology mostly, uh, where there have been sexual assaults or at least claims of sexual assault, um, not just of children, of children and of adult women. And um, these these sexual assaults covered up by the church. Covered up by the church, right. and the story is always the same. And rather like we, huh? Mike Rinder was in charge of all those operations, right? Okay. I, I, I don't know what direct involvement he had. No, I, I don't know. He might have. I don't, you have to ask Mike Rinder that. Well, 
Yes, ask Mike Ritter that. Um, if I ever get a chance to talk to him, maybe I'll ask him about it. But but my point is that all these people uh, uh, that have been molested, again, I haven't seen the court cases where the people were convicted of anything, sure, because of the cover-up and all that stuff. And uh, I think you understand and believe probably there's some cover-ups going on uh, with uh, in regards to sexual assault. But the story that's the same, that reminds me of this passage, I go back to this passage, in my head, automatically, no matter what, every time I hear about this story, the victim is always made to either go to RPF or they're punished in some way, and their attackers are not punished, or they get minimum punishment. And it goes right back to the exact meaning. If you break down what this is saying, even if you want to make it innocent, the idea is the victim of the crime, there's something that happened in their past that made them responsible, and that's the inference in these cases. Well, uh, you got a number of things going on there. I don't think Delroy is saying that in the book one passage you, you quoted. is just that... Uh, that's a different situation. As far as even in the church today, I would say the uh, instances of uh, sexual misconduct that are covered up are probably uh, rare and uh, probably less than or not any greater than what you'd have in the general population or any other group. But the fact that they cover it up and don't go to the police, that's wrong and that's bad. Uh, the reason I threw Mike Rinder in there is because in Remini's show, I... Uh, there was an episode that I did see. I didn't see all of them, but where um, uh, I'm a blank on the girl's name right now. Um, Amy. Anyway, yeah, Amy Scobie, um talking about you know her uh, uh, rape or uh, statutory rape. rape. Yeah, that was covered up. And what was infuriating to me was, you know, of course Leah was going, "Oh, just just how bad." And she's sitting right there, right next to Mike Rinder. I mean, he was in charge of that. He uncovered, or he covered up probably hundreds of uh, those types of things. It's not sexual misconduct. Other things that were swept under the, the rug and did that for decades. That was his job. He was in charge of it all. So we've got a lot of hypocrisy and a lot of uh, things that just don't make sense or don't add up in a number of different ways, not just, you know, uh, is the core subject, we would get down to is the core subject corrupt or not, and I say it's not because there's nobody that I know of ever in my experience that ever covered up a rape or any kind of pedophilia or anything like that that I've known about personally, but I'm not saying it didn't happen, it wasn't you know, swept under the rug, and like you say, the victim made responsible, but most of those situations are in the Sea Org too, you know, uh, most of them, not all of them, but probably most of them. So we know the Sea Org uh, is, you know, corrupt. So there you have it. I, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but but I feel like you're open to the possibility. You're you're not there yet. You're not willing to say this, but you're open to the possibility there might have been, um, the, the, there might be something less than uh, angelic about ORH. That that maybe he he may not be he yeah, may he might not be you're willing to be open to the possibility you might find out someday that he might not be. No, there's things that I don't even like about him. I don't like the way he treated certain people, like uh, Yvonne Gillum Jens, who founded the uh, Celebrity Center. The way he uh, sort of didn't didn't really help her when she was in need. Um, 
So I, I don't hold him on a pedestal, pedestal as a as a god or whatever. But you know, there's a lot of that. There's been a lot of quirky people. You look into the lives of uh, some of our greatest inventors and artists and so forth. Uh, they had uh, sometimes wacky personal lives, you know. Um, but he's a world class genius when it comes to uh, writing about and developing and discovering aspects of the human existence. Okay. And you can discover that or reject it on your own, but if you read his works, I mean, the guy, consider this, I mean, he holds three Guinness World Records as all-time most published author in history. Now, how does that happen? <laughs> writing a shitload. But, uh... <laughs> you think he's writing a lot? He gets you that much publication? I don't think so. I think it's, you know, he, uh... He had uh, a lot to say, and a lot of people have found uh, found the information worthwhile. Well, well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that he found ways to take information, and you said he credits some people, which is great, to put it together in a way that it's workable for people and help people out, and that's the most important part of it all. Um, I have no problem with anyone practicing Scientology. In, in fact, I, let me just uh, clean this up a little bit better. People who are currently in Scientology practicing, I have no problem with them because uh, you know, some of them know not what they do. Um, we, we know this. And some of them are great people. We found that out by people who've left. Um, now, the people who, who study independent Scientology, again, I have no ill will or any problem with anybody practicing independent Scientology as I indicated at the beginning of the interview, I would have a little bit of problem because I do have problems getting past that passage and past some of the things from from over on Hubbard's past and his actions to to associate with that and think that's okay. I don't believe his method of delivering the message is healthy. I don't believe uh, putting your faith in an electronic machine is healthy. But what I can say is I'm okay with you doing it if it makes your life enriched or better. Uh, I don't. I don't. No, I could really recommend anyone to do it, but if you want to do it, more power to you. I just wonder, Dave, I wonder, there's a lot of baggage with Scientology, with the name Scientology now. You, you, you alluded to that earlier. A lot of baggage, a lot of negative energy, a lot of negative information about it. Why not start a brand new religion, borrowing aspects of Scientology, name it something different, and just do it correctly and do it for the best of mankind from the get-go and just, just do it right. Is that something you considered well, or thought about? That, well, that's been done. And uh, a lot of people have taken uh, Scientology principles or just exact Scientology stuff and created other off, offshoots, uh, some that you may have heard of. But, they're, uh, I mean, you've got... Uh, in the uh, outside of the church, I prefer outside of, of the church rather than independent because I won't go into all that. But uh, okay. the term "independent Scientology" was sort of hijacked by a clique who was uh, doing certain things with it. But um, you've got uh, the Free Zone, you've got um, Ron's Orgs, you've got those are ones that are practicing, uh, you know, pretty pure, pure Scientology. But then. Over the years, there's been uh, Dianology and Deep Clearing, Est, um, there's Knowledgeism, Lifespring, uh, there's Self-Clearing. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of um, Traumatic Incident Reduction. Um, hmm. 
and there's more. But uh, people have taken some of the principles of Dianetics, they've rebranded it, and added their own, uh, you know, seasoning to the to the mix, and are out there uh, providing therapy. I mean, a lot of his ideas have filtered into the psychological world. Uh, a lot of therapists have, uh, you know, picked up on the ideas of uh, regression. And, you know, back when he was taking people's past life, there was no, there wasn't uh, a lot of things going on, uh, like past life regressions. Uh, he was quite an innovator in a number of things, you know, um, uh, natural birth. Uh, we already talked about ancient civilization stuff, uh, you know, detoxification. That was not a term when he started the purification rundown, you know. Hmm. Do, you, do you think psychiatry uh, so, is the industry of death? Well, they've got a lot of blood on their hands and their history. I mean, I'm not one of these rabid, you know, they need to be wiped out. The church uses that as a fundraising tool, you know, to get mm-hmm. people to pay into their slush fund, the uh, IAS. But, uh, you know, they're, they've been corrupt. I mean, the hellholes of uh, mental institutions in years past when they electric shock and, you know, slice up into the prefrontal lobe with an uh, ice pick and uh, lobotomies and so forth. And now, with the drugging that goes on of school children, uh, it's way out of control. Plus, you know, they've had the black box, meaning they've had to put warnings on the uh, antidepressants because they're proven to uh, cause uh, suicide or homicidal tendencies. So there's, you know, that's not a, if you want to do a scandalous story, I mean, dig into those boys. You know, they're really not... uh, not a good bunch, but like I say, that's not my mission in life to be attacking psychiatry. I know that you know, people are hurting, basically. So I'm not going to stop somebody from getting help where they where it's available. We don't have the resources. We don't have the numbers of people to be able to help as many as we should be. Right. Really, the tragedy of the whole Scientology story is that it has been squashed. It has been it's not stamped out by any means, but not nearly uh, doing the community services that it should be or could be doing. So uh, you're open to the thought that people can can find their enlightenment and and make it through the world and make it through life and be successful without Scientology. You you don't think it's only Scientology is oh. the answer? Absolutely. I mean, okay, Scientology good. produces very specific results, and you can't get those specific results any other way, but okay. that doesn't mean that you can't achieve more knowledge and more enlightenment, have a you know a beautiful life, a loving life, be a spiritual life, and so forth, uh, without being involved in Scientology, no. Okay. All right, honest answer, I like it. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't, always, I don't agree with every point there, but I do like that you were honest about it. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, have you had any affiliation with Marty Rathbun? Has he contacted you at all, or you guys don't work together on the independent stuff? <laughs> oh boy, got a time for another show? Am I opening worms? Oh, I'm Marty. <laughs> <laughs> no, Marty Rathman. Uh, no, I corresponded back uh, quite a few years ago a bit, but um, you know, he's uh, he's he's basically he's irrelevant to uh, anything Scientology these days. Um, I think he's an independent agent of his own. Uh, I, I believe. 
He's uh, a legend in his own mind. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Good deal. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and do this here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let's do 10 questions to end this out on a, on a high note and have some fun with it. Um, Okay. Before, I do want to ask one quick question, though. Um, you've been very complimentary of LRH. Uh, you've also been honest about the things that could be wrong with LRH and with Scientology, which I really appreciate um, the, you can't, you're being candid with me here. Um, we didn't agree on everything, but people thought they could trust the Church of Scientology. Uh, with David Miscavige and without whatever, people felt they could trust it, and they put their years and their life and their money into Scientology. Why should people trust someone who still praises the name of L. Ron Hubbard in the independent scene or out-of-church scene? Yeah, well, that betrayal of trust uh, is is tragic. I mean, that is what we all feel the pain of that. You know, uh, we've all got our stories, and uh, don't don't ever – I mean, I hope – I don't come across as uh, – you know, not uh, being compassionate about people that have suffered losses or disconnected from their uh, family members and so forth. Um, so it is a tragedy. You know, we're living with that. That's part of our life. You know, uh, we live it every day. But you can only you can't dwell in that. You know, well, let's be effective. Like we have to move forward. We have to do something positive. And when people, uh, I can just I'll put it out there for you, but. Anybody listening to this that's had that kind of experience, like on staff or uh, whatever, contact me through the website, or we'll hook you up with uh, with an auditor. And most of them, including myself, will uh, offer a free session to help uh, you know reduce any of the upset. But if only just to say, you know, we're sorry. It's uh, never should have gone this way. It never, uh, you know, it's like a huge foobar, you know. Yeah, I will say that a good way to look at things, I said this multiple times on the show, is it's okay to believe anything, but always question everything. And the minute you're not allowed, you're not allowed to question or you can't question something, that's when you know you're in the wrong place. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, so we're going to do 10 questions with Dave LaCroix. Uh, 10 questions. Number one, coconut or pineapple? Pineapple. All right, I like coconut. Uh, number two, true or false? Not all religions deserve First Amendment treatment, especially if abusive. False. False. You think even if they're abusive cult-like religions, they should be uh, treated with the First Amendment rights? That's the problem with these freedoms. You know, you've got... Um, I mean, they, they can investigate. The, uh, the abuses should be investigated, and people should be thrown in prison. Like... Uh, Again, you know, uh, FBI was ready to go into the end base at uh, Scientology end base, and guess who told them not to raid? It was a waste of time. Do you know yeah. the answer to this question? I'm just curious if you know or not. No, I'm not sure I'm clear on the question. I'm sorry. Someone told the FBI not to go into the end base and pull out the senior citizens, the elderly there, or give them the opportunity to leave if they wanted to. Okay, you're talking about... Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll answer it for you. It was Mike Rinder who told him not to go in. Right, but you know why he told him uh, that, if I understand correctly, was because he knew when they did that, that those people would say, no, I want to stay, because they are brainwashed to believe they need to be there. Yeah, and Mike Rinder is all of a sudden an expert on Stockholm Syndrome, or uh, he's got degrees... But that is Stockholm Syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. 
yeah, why is he an expert on it? How does he know? I mean, they could have set up panels and made it safe for those people. They could have brought in people like me to talk to them and let them know that it was safe. They could have gotten a bunch of people out. So I call BS on Mike Rinder's answer for that one. Why, why are you, i got to ask this. this is a, we'll get away from 10 questions, but why, why do you have it in for Mike Rinder and Tony Ortega? If he would just go off and uh, do his thing, it'd be fine, but he keeps sticking his nose in and doing these shows and putting Scientology in a bad light, as it, and, fail, and he refuses to differentiate between the church and the subject. Uh, the guy's dirty. He's got crimes on his hands that never he's never owned up to. Are you sure he hasn't owned up to them? Because I've heard him talk about it. He talks about it in generality. He's never you you notice real carefully. Uh, he hasn't brought up the uh, uh, human trafficking. Doesn't have a statute of limitations, so he would be probably a little bit nervous about that one, for example. Um, hmm. But he's never talked about uh, what his knowledge and complicity in the death of Lisa McPherson. You know, so uh, there's a lot of people in the field. It's not, it's not that little clique of XSO that think he's all hunky-dory, you know. Um, anyway, I, I won't go on about it. But. See, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't suspect that that, that 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 kind of stuff went on and that he had involvement in it. I don't think he's ever denied it. It doesn't really come up. Yes, true. But I also imagine because of the way it went down that he would have the ability, if he wanted to be involved in a huge deal to, to end what's happening, he could probably sign some kind of agreement to absolve himself of too much punishment on that, wouldn't you think? Yeah, they might give him some kind of immunity. But, um, you know, it's just uh, the absurdity is that, like, a, a number of years ago he took a junket, was paid junket to go to Ireland, to speak at a symposium about uh, various religions around the world. And he was going to speak and represent the bona fides of uh, religion of Scientology. Well, the night before, he went on Irish TV, was interviewed, and the interviewer asked him point blank, did you ever commit workplace violence while you were an executive at uh, Scientology? And he said yes. So this is a guy that's committed workplace violence, and then the next day he goes and as a speaker on the bona fides of the Scientology religion. You know, it's just absurd. Is it not possible he has regret over that? Well, maybe he does have regret, and, and I'm, I'm assuming he does, but he keeps inserting himself hmm. into the conversation and fails to uh, differentiate between yourself, Scientology this, Scientology that. On his website, it's constantly attacking the technology, the subject, not the church. See, the correct target, let me just put this on the record for you. David Miscavige is the correct target. Uh, the answer to the Scientology's problems is simple, if not easy, but just remove David Miscavige. That's all that has to happen. The House of Cards comes down, the whole thing gets uh, reformed, and, you know, life becomes happy again. Who takes the helm to reform it? Who, who reforms Scientology in David Miscavige's absence? There's a lot of good people there. there. He's the one that's holding it up. There might be a few psychos that leave with him, but um, basically without him, there's nobody that's got the horsepower or the power to keep it all going and keep everybody in line the way he does. So uh, it would naturally reform. The mechanisms are there. There's people in the field that are ready to step in and help. 
do all kinds of things. But that's the only target that needs to be focused on is get rid okay. of the miscavige. Now, just to clarify here, because I think this will help you out if I do this, i got to ask you, uh, your personal opinion, again, you have no way of knowing for sure, I guess, but in your personal opinion, do you think Mike Rinder would physically abuse someone in the workplace today? Say that last part again, I missed it. Do you think uh, Mike Rinder would physically abuse a person in the workplace today? No, probably not. He's okay. gotten... Uh, That's important to, the stat uh, to establish, okay. <laughs> no, no. But, you know, you don't have... You don't put... Uh, this is probably a horrible analogy, but, you know, he'd be like the Goebbels, Joseph Goebbels of Scientology, you know. You don't then put him in uh, the limelight and have him be an expert and everybody reading his blog. You know what I mean? Like, answer up, confess up, and then just go, you know, he's got mm. a beautiful wife and a couple of kids. Go live your life. I'm happy with that. I'm, yeah. not trying to, I'm not on a jihad against Mike Rinder, but the absurdity of seeing this show okay. where you're getting all these accolades... Well, just is grading, you know. Well, we will we will disagree on that point. I mean, obviously, yes, it would be nice to the the not nice, but it, it is important to get it out what part you play in something that bad, and to to make amends for. I think what he's doing is making amends for it. What you don't like is that he's attacking the entire religion and not the problem in the religion, which is Miscavige. And, and that just goes right back around to the question of you think that even though they're a cult. Because it's only one person's fault, you don't think it should. Uh, they should be. Uh, anyone should infringe on their First Amendment right that they should be protected still. So. Yeah, if they break the law, I mean, we have lots of examples where religious leaders have been put in jail, you know, for breaking the law, whether it's financial or sexual or whatnot. So, uh, Miscav, they, they uh, a good investigation will find a slush fund of <laughs> many, okay. many hundreds of millions of dollars in the church and uh, a lot of reasons, human trafficking and all kinds of things. So, What's got me tripped up here and having trouble is, is a, a question number two is true or false. Not all religions deserve First Amendment treatment if they're abusive religions, so they're cults. To say false to that, you're also saying that Jim's, Jim Jones should have had First Amendment rights and, and Warren Jeff should have had First Amendment rights uh, observed in, in all these cases. I, I mean, that's basically what you're saying. That's the problem with those rights, those constitutional rights. You know, it's like the... Uh, They're black and white. Age, you know? You think it's a black and white thing? Yeah. They, yeah. If you want to take one away, then now you've gone on a slippery slope. You know, mm. but you can always uh, put somebody in jail for yelling fire in a crowded movie theater, yeah. you know, without it's a, infringing or taking away the First Amendment right. It's just Same difficult to do, but there needs to be some way to implement common sense in the law. It's something that's been bugging me for a long time. Uh, number three, <laughs> ten questions. Let's give that ten questions. Number three, can Miscavige himself be reformed in your eyes? Not in this life. Maybe in the between lives area, we can get a hold of him and do something for him. But uh, you feel no. he's a lost cause now? Okay. All right. I mean, no. Why would anybody want to just get rid of him? Send him to somewhere. I don't care, jail or South. I hate to wish it on South America, but somewhere down there, it's got to be unpleasant <laughs> enough for him. All right. <laughs> Number four, I think you kind of answered this already earlier. Uh, true or false, people who choose not to practice Scientology are flawed. No. no. All right, good, good. I, I, know, I know you answered that earlier. Number five, sum up the social media quabos between never ends Scientologists, independent Scientologists, and uh, exes uh, in one word. How, how can you sum up when people fight online over this stuff? 
sum up what how they fight? Yeah, the the, the online uh, social media arguments that go on between all the different types of people and personalities in this uh, argument. I see. Uh, one word, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, pointless. I like it. That's cool. Number six. Or a hyphenated word, waste of energy. <laughs> That's a lot of hyphens. I gotcha. Um, number six. The only way you'll ever go back, I think you've answered this too, the only way you go back to the Church of Scientology is if. Oh, if it were reformed, but I, I wouldn't actually ever. Uh, well, it'd be nice to have the social. Uh, experience, you know, know that you can walk in, say hi to your friends, whatnot. Everybody is back in common, not disconnected. But I uh, wouldn't go back in any kind of a, you know, management or working capacity or new courses or anything there. But uh, it'd okay. be nice to have them uh, reformed and so I could send people there for training and so forth. Okay. Number seven, do you still uh, believe in declaring SPs? Have you declared an SP in any time recently? No, that's uh, that's uh, if it were ever uh, no. I would just say no because it's been it was so abused. I mean, like I say, back years ago, it was so rare. Uh, you know, there there are psychos in this world. You know, so uh, yes, there are. You probably you, you can't ever say you know that you wouldn't declare somebody, but you can. It's just effective to make them persona non grata or not allow them on the property. You know, it'd have to be that bad. Somebody that was just going to be a danger or just cause so much trouble, you'd have to bar them from the property or something. Gotcha. All right, uh, number eight. Finish this sentence. Nothing would make me happier than... David Miscavige removed from uh, a management position in the church. Okay. Number nine, what's the best TV show that you've seen recently? Um, the Wire. You like The Wire? Binge watch. Binge watching The Wire. Yeah, I, I missed it when it was out, and then I binge watched it a few months ago. It was pretty darn good. I hear The Path is a good show. Have you seen The Path? No. You I might like you. You might not like it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the path. I've heard about that. It's supposed to be a takeoff on a religion thing. Yes. Yeah. Now, we didn't even get into these uh, movies like uh, Going Clear and uh, <laughs> Louis Thoreau's there's, movie. There's a lot. There's so much ground to cover on this topic. There really is. Um, yeah. N- number 10, last question. What do you think of me, the host of the show? Am I a bigot? No, by, no, not at all. You're asking honest and uh, intelligent questions, and you're sincere, and I appreciate, uh, you know, your interest and having me on. So, thank well, you. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, and it's important to me to demonstrate that I'm willing to talk to someone that I don't necessarily uh, agree with their views. And I think it's okay. I think it's important to demonstrate that we can have different views and coexist. And that's a problem, uh, I think you'll agree, in the church. It is really uh, a big problem, and it's something that uh, is a problem politically and all over the spectrum of the world that, that needs to be resolved. Yeah, and with the church, that's the way it used to be. I mean, we had outreach. I worked in some areas on some projects uh, uh, that were sponsored by a government agency, uh, you know, for for the church, and uh, lots of outreach stuff that had just dried up and, and uh, shriveled and died, no longer being done, that it's lost opportunities and lost... Uh, 
uh, lost benefit to everyone to uh, to have that sort of spirit of uh, you know what we would call in Scientology granting of beingness, you know, of uh, uh, being willing to hear the other side and listen and uh, and share share opinions and viewpoints. So. All right. Well, I do appreciate you being on the show, Dave. Uh, again, I, I do think in a, a many, a great many points, we agree to disagree. But I do respect your, uh, I do respect your willingness to do what you do, and that it works for you, and that it works for others. And I just wish you the best, man. Okay. Well, thank you, Chris. No problem. Take care. All right. All right. So let's let's break all this down. There's a lot. Um, about to go over in these two parts of this interview. Uh, someone, by the way, was just calling the show, sitting on hold. I've been burnt by that before, so if you're somebody that I probably want to talk to and you're calling the show, just message me. Let me know you're calling. And you know, there was someone I was hoping could call today but didn't get through, it seems. Uh, so just let me know, and if time permitting, before I'm done ranting here, uh, I'll get you in if I can. Um, wow. Okay, so there's a lot to break down to these two parts, and I really – I really do appreciate Dave for being so um, so open to every question, and uh, I don't know that he really answered any questions directly. Uh, he, he gave the best answers he could, I feel. Um, but I have a few problems. We're just going to break it down here. Uh, as far as uh, the Van Allen belt thing, um, first I'm confused. Did Elrond Hubbard go or didn't he? It seems like at the end he said it's not that big a deal to consider he did. But he couldn't go over Bob's shoulder and see what card Bob was holding. It doesn't work that way. But Dave does compare it to remote viewing. He talks about George Norrie and all that stuff, and and you know I'm familiar with that stuff. But remote viewing is the practice of seeking impressions about a distant or unseen target, reported using extensory perception or sensing with mind, seeing images, viewing images that you cannot see right in front of you, the card in Bob's hand. That's a conflict for me. Uh, I also talked to him about fair gaming in part one. Remember that? We talked about fair gaming and how Elwan Hubbard basically uh, put everybody in Paulette Cooper's life around her, and none of them were real people and people she thought she could trust to the point that she was considering suicide after being framed for what amounts to a terrorist act. This is, you know, and Dave kind of dismisses that as well, you know. <laughs> he did make mistakes. Well, no, he, he framed somebody for a terrorist act. He also uh, he also uh, committed a lot of crimes that people committed for him that he put the order out, and he sat and hid in the corner while his wife went to jail and got charged. Uh, the, the thing with Zenu, again – how does he know the answer to Zeno? It never really gets addressed. And the thing that bothered me most about this interview, and I'm not bashing Dave, I'm just saying about the conversation, just recapping, is the thing about the seven-year-old girl. He really very heavily blows past that and belittles it a little bit, puts the onus on Tony Ortega. That's Tony Ortega's thing. Tony Ortega put that out. Tony Ortega. And when I bring up the example of these rape claims made by the alleged victims of Danny Masterson, these, these, uh, this, the claims by Amy Scobie, uh, you know, I bring that up because the, it comes back to this passage. Something about you is causing this to happen to you. That's the inference. That's what this passage points back to. It's the whole 
it, it's the whole nucleus of what this supposed religion is about. But he distracts from that and just shouts out Mike Rinder. Mike Rinder. What? Mike Rinder. Why the attacks on Mike Rinder? The only thing I can think of why the attack people like Tony Ortega or Mike Rinder, who I know don't support independent Scientology, but don't speak out against independent Scientology uh, that I've seen or heard, the only reason to attack them is to distract from the fact this passage is what it is, and you don't want to talk about it. So I felt really bad about um, – I felt really good about the fact that he was willing to talk and were able to get to a bottom of a lot of things, at least about addressing these things and being able to talk about them, ask them, and get whatever best answer I can get from Dave. I want to say yes, I do believe you have the right to do whatever you want. I don't know why you'd want to do this. For instance, uh, Dave wants to reform Scientology. A lot of people want to reform and rebuild Scientology. But to do that, you have to rebuild it on the name of L. Ron Hubbard. If that happens, even if your best intentions are to make a better, brighter, much friendlier, gentler Scientology, how long before the actual scripture of L. Ron Hubbard once again is taken to its most literal point and the atrocities begin again? I said it before. It doesn't matter how much it wasn't obvious before and it was more under David Miscavige. These are L. Ron Hubbard's rules. L. Ron Hubbard's scripture. This is what he wants you and expects you to believe. Back to Reza Aslan, his quote about the difference between God creating man out of dirt and seeing new drop in aliens in Earth is one story is older. No, I said, in my opinion, your religion's only as good as its source. Let's use Jesus Christ as an example. How many stories are there about Jesus Christ evading taxes? How many stories are there about Jesus Christ hiding while Mary gets arrested for crimes that he gave the orders on? You don't hear these things about Jesus Christ and about other religious uh, prophets because they didn't put forth such uh, demands. They didn't cause this kind of issue. They weren't this flawed. I don't know why you'd want to be part of this. See, even if the best intentions, as I was saying… Are put into place to create a new, better Scientology independently. It's really going to just be the same. And the only reason to do it, in my opinion, again, this is my opinion. This is how I feel. Knowing what you know about Elron Hubbard, hearing what you've heard in this interview, I feel it would have to take not how much faith you have in Elron Hubbard's word, but how comfortable you are. With a certain level of willful ignorance. I want to thank you guys for coming to the show and listening today, two days early. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to have Scott Brown for part two. We'll talk about his writing, uh, his script uh, writing contest he's got going. Time's running out on that. Submit your scripts. Uh, Ventures of Bowie Bean, he's got his 10 questions. And next time we come back here on a special extra Scientology edition, it'll be a Friday. And I told you I'd end you off with a special preview of what next week's show has in store. Well, here it is. That about sums it up. Stay connected. Have a great week.